if you know how to sing this song, I want you to join me in singing this song. Great. Because I'm kind of finding it very difficult to breathe. So if it's okay, yes. doctor, okay. is it okay? Yeah. Yes, sir. Yeah. <laughs> Happy Sunday. Good morning. It is a privilege to be here. We are grateful to God for the privilege to come into his presence. It is a great honor when you are called on to speak to the body of Christ. It is humbling. It is daunting. It is scary. <laughs> because you are supposed to be speaking the mind of God. And so I am very humbled and I feel very privileged. And I want to thank our pastor for giving us the opportunity to speak. The executives also are presiding elder, Dr. Nate, his beautiful wife, my eye doctor, Dr. Mrs. Requin. God bless you and the executives of this church. We want to say thank you for having us. I also want to extend condolences from pastor to my mom, my big sister, Stakani. I know that times are hard, but God, who has been with you, will continue to be with you. Amen. Amen. Today, I'm going to speak on a topic that I have really thought about and prayed about. It applies to me first, and I believe applies to you. So I'm speaking to you. You are not here by accident. You are here because God wanted you to be here to hear this. Hold on. Don't quit. Help is on the way. Hold on. Don't quit. Help is on the way. I believe God has sent me with a word for you. You who have been praying about that issue for so long, and it seems the Lord is deaf, I'm speaking to you. I'm speaking to you whose body has been ravaged and uh, pummeled by disease. You who have been struggling and praying for healing, and it seems Jehovah Rapha does not hear. Today, I'm speaking to you. I'm speaking to you whose heart is broken over that wayward child you've been praying about, your beloved son or daughter, who has turned his back on God that is giving you grief and anguish. I'm speaking to you. I'm speaking to you who are watching me from home. I want to say hi to you. I'm speaking to you over the situation you have brought before God countless times. The money you invested in that business, and it seems the business is going down, and all that money is going to be waste. And you've been paying your tithe faithfully and giving judiciously, and you are still not seeing the return on your investment. I'm speaking to you. I'm speaking to you who have been praying for the fruit of the womb. You who have been praying for a life partner. You who sings God cannot hear you. That you've prayed and been faithful all your life, and it seems that miracles come to other people's lives and passes you by. I'm speaking to you. I'm speaking to you who are in a wrong relationship. You prayed and stayed chaste and holy for Mr. Right. And Mr. Right came and he was Mr. Wrong. And your life has been turned to a misery. I'm speaking to you. God 
is saying to you, don't quit. Hold on. Help is on the way. Hallelujah. You the man that waited on the Lord and prayed and the Lord showed you the woman of your dreams and you brought her and married her and she turned out to be something that you did not even envisage and you've prayed and fasted and waited on God and having seemed so quiet, don't quit. Hold on. Help is on the way. Hallelujah. If you know how to sing this hymn with me, I would like for us to sing it and then we shall go on. If it's possible to project it, because the words are what I want us to emphasize on. Oh God, our help in ages past, our hope for years to come, our shelter from the stormy blast, and our eternal home. I can't sing. <laughs> so, those who can sing, please. Oh God, our help in on the way. My expectation this morning is by the end of this message, which is going to take about two and a half hours, roughly, <laughs> there are a few things that I would like for you to be aware of. Number one, that God is sovereign. He knows all things. He cares about you. 
God is sovereign. He knows all things. He cares about you. And that nothing happens in your life unless he allows it. I want that truth to sink into your spirit. It is a safe place to be. When you take it with your heart, not your mind, your mind will argue, your mind will doubt, your mind will go back and forth, but let it be settled in your heart that God is sovereign. He knows all things. He cares about me, and nothing happens in my life unless God allows it. Number two, that there are some things that happen in our lives things that God allows to happen that we will never understand. You will question and pray and ask, but you will never understand. But I want you to also know that his word is available to help you through that situation which you do not understand. Hallelujah. You will never understand it, but there is comfort in his word to take you through that period that you do not understand. Number three, I want you to understand by the end of this message that bad things happen to good people and that it is, the only, it is only the sovereign God who knows why. We will never get answers here on earth, but we can trust him. You can trust him. Number four, that God is more interested in your eternal soul than your temporary earthly tabernacle. And all that happens, happens so that you may not miss heaven. Hallelujah. Number five, that God will never leave you nor forsake you. He will be with you no matter what you're going through. No matter how unconscionable, how unfair, how unreasonable, how unjustified, how immoral, how immoral, God is in control. And finally, I want you to know that help does come. It comes in his word. Help comes in the form of peace that protects your mind. He said that the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will garrison your heart and your mind through Christ Jesus. Help does come from the word of God we know. You will know the truth, and the truth you know will set you free. Help does come in the word of God. And so take the word of God and let it guide you and comfort you and give you solace whilst you go through your issues. Today, we're going to be taking a few scriptures and I'm going to build my case on a couple characters in the Bible for you to understand that God is always in control. Deuteronomy chapter 7 verse 9. Deuteronomy chapter 7 verse 9. I'll give you a moment to open or write it down. And when you look up, then I know that you've opened. Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 9. You got it? It says, Know therefore that the Lord your God is God, the faithful God who keeps covenant of steadfast love, those who love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. Know therefore that the Lord your God is God, the faithful God who keeps covenant of steadfast love, those who love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. Isaiah 45, 
5 to 7. Isaiah 45, 5 to 7. I am the Lord, and there is no other. Apart from me, there is no God. I will strengthen you, though you have not acknowledged me, so that from the rising of the sun to the place of its setting, people may know there is none beside me. I am the Lord, and there is no other. I form the light, I create darkness, I bring prosperity and create disaster. I, the Lord, do all these things. The day I found this in the Bible, I was like, hmm, this is hard. This is hard. Numbers 23:19. Numbers 23:19. God is not man that he should lie, not a human being that he should change his mind. Does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? I have received a command to bless. He has blessed, and I cannot change it. Final scripture is coming to you from 1 Samuel chapter 16, 10 to 13. 1 Samuel, that's our first case study. Jesse had seven of his sons pass before Samuel. But Samuel said to him, The Lord has not chosen these. 11. So he asked Jesse, Are these all the sons you have? There is still the youngest, Jesse answered. He is tending the sheep, Samuel said. Send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. So he sent for him and had him brought in. First Samuel 16, 10-13. So he sent for him and had him brought in. He was glowing with health and had a fine appearance and handsome in features. Then the Lord said, Rise, anoint him. This is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. Samuel went to Ramah. And our last scripture, Deuteronomy 29, 29. The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things revealed belong to us and our children forever that we may follow all the words of the law. The secret things belong to the Lord our God. The secret things belong to the Lord our God. But the things revealed belong to us. What are the things revealed? His word. The things revealed belong to us and our children forever, that we may follow all the words of his law. So God revealed part of himself to us in the law, in his word. That is the part we can know, we can understand, we can study, we can, we can dissect it, but there is a part of God that is mysterious. So there are things on this earth that will happen to us that we will not understand, but the things through the times of uh, not understanding what is doing, the things that have been revealed to us belong to us. I hope I'm not being too philosophical. Everybody gets it so far? So far. Amen. Amen. So today I want us to look at the life of David as a case study for um, a person who um, had so much promise, but who suffered so much, and on uh, who many occasions almost gave up, but because of the word of God that he knew, he was able to overcome the challenges. So David, as we read, was a young man. David was anointed, it is believed, when he was 10 or 15 years, between 10 to 15 years old. David was the youngest of eight brothers. 
And it is interesting to note that he was a shepherd. According to biblical history and the Talmud, which is the Jewish oral history that they put together, interpretations of the Torah, which is the first five books of Moses, the Jews have a body of law, uh, a body, a document that supplements the Torah, which explains some of the background of the things that we don't understand in the Bible. For instance, Jesus' mother's, uh, uh, mother's mother, his grandmother's name was never mentioned, but the Torah explains who she was. So when you want to know a little bit of background about the Bible stories, go into the Talmud or uh, yeah, the Talmud and get some background. You can easily Google and it will give you the background that you need. So I wanted to know a little background about David because the Bible doesn't tell us much. We know that David's father is Jesse. And what do we know about Jesse? Anybody remembers what we know about Jesse? Jesse's father was Obed. Do you remember who Obed was? Who was Obed? Obed was a son of Boaz. And who was Boaz? Boaz was a son of Salmon. And who was Salmon? Salmon married Rachel, the prostitute that took the Israelites and hid them on top of the wall. Remember? When the Israelites first came to Jericho, we heard about a, a prostitute called Rachel. And Rachel married Salmon. Salmon apparently is one of the, um, the uh, warriors that went to surveil the city with Joshua. And some of them said, we look like ants and grasshoppers in their eyes. Those were the strong men that stood with Joshua and said, we can well uh, take over. So Salmon was a warrior. He married Rachel the prostitute, had a son called Obed. Obed had a son called... Uh, uh, Boaz. Boaz married somebody that we read about a lot in, in uh, Michael. Who was that? Boaz married Ruth and they had a son and the son had a son called Jesse. So it's very interesting when you read Bible and you go into the background to discover all of these people, how they are connected. So we know that David, uh, his great-great-grandmother was Rachel and his great-grandmother was Ruth. Amen. And we know that going forward, Jesus also came through that lineage. Hallelujah. So anyway, that is just by the way. So David's father, Jesse, has some uh, uh, mixed blood in his lineage because his grandmother was a Moabite. And the Bible, uh, the Lord told Israel not to marry a woman of Moabite descent. So it came to a time when he was unsure of his own heritage. According to the Talmud, his wife's name, who is David's mother's name, is, um, I think it's Elizabeth, but they say it in the Hebrew, Nitzvet, N-I-T-Z-E-V-E-T, Nitzvet. So Jesse was married to Nitzvet, the two uh, lines of theory. One is that Nitzvet... Uh, Jesse decided that maybe my heritage is not so Jewish, so I'm going to, after he had seven children, I'm going to stop having any more children, and I'm going to wait on the Lord because I want to make sure that my lineage is pure. And so he ignored his wife and decided to marry uh, one of his servants. And it is believed that on the night when he was to consummate the marriage, the servant felt sorry for David's mother and traded places with her, just like Rachel and Leah. And so when the woman was found to be pregnant, the townsfolk didn't know what the two of them had done. So she was uh, seen as um, 
an adulterous woman who had had an illicit relationship behind her husband. And so the other line of thought is that she was actually a maidservant in a home that had an adulterous relationship with David's father and had David. So there are a few scriptures in the Bible that David actually talks about the sufferings he went through in his own father's home. And we also, saw, we also see overt discrimination or harshness from his brothers towards him. Think about it. They had seven big men who were older. In those days, when you are royalty or when you have money, you don't work as a shepherd. You hire people to tend for your sheep. And it is believed that Jesse was a prominent man. He was a descendant of Boaz. We know that Boaz sat at the city gate. So he was also a prominent man. So he could afford to hire herdsmen to take care of the cattle. But because David was a reproach, because it was seen that David was born out of adultery, he was treated so badly that the father could not stand to see him. That's what the Talmud explains. And that's why he was relegated to the desert. At a young age of 10, he was sent into the desert to wrestle with lions and bear and tigers when he had three, uh, seven strong men, three of whom were soldiers in the king's army. Well, that's a little background. So we see that David had a very unhappy childhood. And he says things like, I'm a foreigner to my own family a stranger to my own mother's children. Psalm 69 verse 1, going on. But Psalm 69 is a very profound scripture that uh, we probably will read a little bit more of that. And then Psalm 51 says, Behold, I was shaping in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. So all these things get people to believe that. David had a very unhappy upbringing. His home was chaotic. His brothers hated him. His father hated him. The community saw him as a child born out of uh, wedlock or adultery. So the only one who gave him comfort is his mother. David talked about his mother being the one who taught him the things of the Lord. His mother being the one who comforted him. His mother being the one that taught him the things that he needed to know. So I believe that when David was relegated to the desert and he was there by himself, a young boy, alone, with nobody except wild animals that were around him, he remembered some of the things that his mother might have taught him and he used the words to, ex to comfort himself. And we all know the scriptures in Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He said, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. David knew the word of God, even though he did not understand the circumstances as a young child. Why am I going through all this? My own father has money, but look at what I'm going through instead of becoming better, instead of trying to sit down and blame God. He used the knowledge in the word of God that he had, and he used that to encourage himself. Beloved, this morning, I don't know what you're going through, but the word of God is coming to you, that though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, he is with you. He will come comfort you. His rod and his staff will comfort you. He will bring you to a place of plenty. The Bible says he will set a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Oh, hallelujah. He will pour oil on my head until it flows over. Hallelujah. Amen. And so we see David Speaking about the situations he went through, Psalm 86 verse 15, he said, Save me because I serve you as my mother did. 
Save me because I serve you as my mother did. And so we see that his mother served the Lord. She was a righteous woman, but many people believed her to be a harlot. And because of that, her child suffered. And so right after David was anointed at the age of 10 to 15, immediately we see events unfolding. We see him going to see his brothers at the war front where the Jews were engaged with the Philistines. And that is where we are introduced to Goliath, who was a giant so tall and so huge that when he came out, all the Jewish men will run away. And David said, no, I'm not going to run away. I am well able to overcome this enemy. And he was able to go forth just with the word of God he knows. He said to the Philistines, who are you, this uncircumcised Philistine, that you will come against me? He said, you come against me with sword and spear, but I come against you in the name of God Almighty, the omnipotent God, the I am God, the one who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that David even thought that he could do. And so as he was going, he stopped and picked up some stones and he rolled it and I believe the Holy Spirit took that rock and turned it into a spear and it hit the Goliath on the head and that was the end of the giant. And from there on we see David's life changing. He came into the service of Saul as the one upon whom uh, God put a good spirit that was able to dispel the evil spirit that was on Paul and Saul. We hear that Saul will become, will have panic attacks and he becomes so tormented. He was so ill and David will play the harp and play the Lord is my shepherd and he will play for Saul. The Bible says the evil spirit will depart. And then the women in the society began to do something which women always do. They started praising him. Saul has killed his thousands. David has killed his ten thousands. Saul has killed his thousands. David has killed his ten thousands. And they were dancing and, 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 you know, celebrating. And that evil spirit called jealousy entered into Saul and he began to pursue David. So look at it. In his home, he was attacked, relegated, disdained, scorned. He comes into the service of a king he had done something, a feat that nobody else could have done. He was a warrior. He would have thought that by that time, maybe there would be some reprieve. But then, this evil spirit came upon Saul. And Saul saw the potential that was in David and began pursuing him. When we read 2 Samuel um, verse 5 to 4, um, we read about David's exploit and how he also entered into the service of Saul. But unfortunately, it didn't go as it was planned, and David had to begin to run for his life. David suffered a great deal. We see a lot of his suffering in the Psalms. He was depressed. He was discouraged. Anybody who was taking time to go through the Psalms, you can see how he cried and how he wept. And how he felt that, God, why have you been so quiet? Where is the comfort you promised me? Where are the promises my mother taught me in your word? Psalm 42, 3 and 5. My tears have been full day and night, while people say to me all day long, where is your God? And then he goes on to say, why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so distracted within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my God and my Savior. 
Hallelujah. So we see David going through bouts of depression and anxiety and, and sadness. But we always see that when he talks about all the suffering he is going through, he always ends with, but my God is faithful. He will cry and cry and cry. God, where are you? Why have my enemies risen against me? But the Lord is faithful. He always encouraged himself in the word. So even though he did not understand all the suffering that he was going through, he was incredibly aware of the word of God that says that some things are mysteries, that some things have been revealed to us. Beloved, this morning, I want you to hear me. Hold on. Don't quit. Help is on the way. If you are home and you are watching, I'm speaking to you directly also. Hold on. Don't quit. Help is on the way. David did not quit. David persevered in all his sufferings at the hand of his father, at the hands of his brothers, at the hand of Saul and his court. He still held on to the faith that he had been taught, the incorruptible seed that was sown in him. This morning, if you have a child that is wayward, a child that has gone away from the ways of the Lord, I want you to understand that that seed you have sown in that child, it will never die. It will grow and germinate. That child will grow up and become a man, a responsible man and woman. They will grow graduate college. It might take longer but they will. Some of us came from Africa. We only had a hairdressing degree. They came here. They went to school at 26, 27, even 40. Don't despair over that child. Continue to bring them up because you have sown a seed in him that will not die. For God is not unfair that he will forget your labor of love. He is not a man that he will lie. Neither the son of man that he will repent. Has he said and will he not do? Hold on, don't quit. Help is on the way. Hallelujah. There are some scriptures that I love so much. One of them is 2 Corinthians 12, 9b to 10. I am a mother of four. I'm a pastor's wife. I work. And sometimes all of it gets so much and you feel so beaten because you are speaking something and it is not materializing in your life. And this scripture has comforted me so much. It, Paul said it, he said, when I am weak, then I am strong. That is, it doesn't make sense. Because we are taught to be strong and aggressive. But Paul said, when I am weak, then I am strong. For his strength is made perfect in my weakness. Therefore, will I boast all the more in my weakness, so that Christ's power may dwell on me. 2 Corinthians 12. Time will not permit me to go into all that. Another example in the Bible is Sarah. We all know who Sarah is. We know that she married Abraham at a very young age. By the time God called them, they were advanced in age. Think about it. God promised her a child. And this woman believed the word of God because they took a step of faith. And then every month, she will expect to be pregnant. And every month, she'll be disappointed. If you haven't gone through it before, you won't understand. Every month when you see your monthly, it's like, oh God, I was so hopeful. It went on year, month after month, year after year, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years. Her husband is now 75. She is probably 55 because the age difference is 25. So 50. 
So things are knocking things. She's now becoming more fearfully made than wonderfully made. And she's looking in the mirror and seeing all the things that are happening, the changes that we don't even want our husbands to see. We run quickly to the bathroom and tie our hair quickly because things are knocking things. <laughs> and then year after year, she's hoping and believing and hoping and believing. And then these angels come and say that at 90 years old, Sarah will conceive and have a child. And the Bible says she laughed. Hold on. Don't quit. Help is on the way, Rosalind. Month after month after month after month. Finally, Isaac was born. And the Bible says the world rejoiced with her. Sarah did not give up. I remember our own uh, founder, Pastor McKeon, and his wife, Mama Sophia. They came to Ghana. And what they went through, white people, they probably were poor white people, but poor white people were still probably better off than poor white black people. And she came, he, he came, he didn't live in Accra. He lived in the village, in a village I believe called Asamankese. And he was there under the tent, the mosquito ridden bushes, praying for Holy Ghost baptism. And then he became very sick with malaria. And he, at that time, we did not have Church of Pentecost yet. It was part of the faith tabernacle ministry. And this man was forbidden to go to the hospital because when you are sick, you have to believe God for healing. But he was Pentecostal and believed that getting medication was part of God's blessings to us. So he went to hospital and he became ostracized. They, they hated him. He had nothing. He had to depend on the locals to take care of him. He and his wife worked so assiduously in Africa. Look at the work they have done. They never had one child. And yet, they prayed for countless to have children. How do you explain that? Can you imagine how she must have wept and waited on the Lord and cried. Every month, you see your, your monthly, and it's like, God, where are you? Are you deaf? Why are you not hearing me? You said that your promises are yea and amen. Why am I going through this? Sarah held on, and finally Isaac was born. One last person I want us to talk about is Job. We cannot talk about suffering without talking about Job. Bible says he was a righteous man, Bible says he worshipped God and obeyed him. The Bible says he raised his kids up to know God and serve him. Job had everything. God was so proud of him that he bragged about him. Even though Job did not know, we reading we know, but Job did not know what was going on. And then one day everything changed. In one day he lost everything. He lost his children. He lost his investments. His ships were drowned at sea. The Bible didn't say that camels are like sheep today. So all the cargo were drowned at sea. His investments crashed. Wall Street crashed. And all his investments in Apple and, and his build coins and <laughs> his bitcoins and all the dot-com investments, they all crashed in one day. Everything was gone. He did not understand. God, what is going on? What is happening? What have I done? Bible says that he was so righteous that even when his children parted, Job will rise up early in the morning and he will offer sacrifices on his children just in case they have done something wrong. So he was righteous, righteous. He did not want to offend God. He did not want to do anything wrong. 
and yet calamity came on him in monumental dimensions. And then Job was so vulnerable, his whole body was covered in wounds and sores. And the Bible says in the midst of that, Job 13, 15, he said that, um, naked I came and naked I will leave. And Job fell on his knees and he worshipped God. In the times when he was the most vulnerable, he fell on his face and he worshipped God. And Job began to ask God, why is this happening, God? Why am I going through this? Throughout the 42 chapters of the book of Job, he was just trying to understand, God, what have I done? Why are you doing this? Is there a reason to this? But those are the mysteries. He never had an answer. He never had an answer. He never had an answer. Hallelujah. Job asked God many times. His friends came and said, you have done something wrong. That is why God is punishing you. And Job was like, really? I don't know what I have done. But even if I have done something wrong, I speak to God all the time. He will tell me what I have done. But God was silent. And then finally when God spoke, he didn't answer any one of Job's questions. He asked his own set of questions. Do you know who I am? Do you know that I'm an almighty God? Do you know that there is none like me? That from everlasting to everlasting, it is I. I created the heavens. I put the stars in place. I did all that you see. The galaxy, the solar system, the immenseness of the universe. Do you know that I created it? You are a speck of dust in the grand scheme of things. And you dare question me. You cannot question me. And God really gave it to Job. And the Bible says Job quietly listens. And when you read the book of Job chapter 42, verse 5 to 6, it's a scripture that I love so much. Job said something. He said that, you said, listen, and I will speak. I will question you and you will answer me. He said, my ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. Therefore, I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. That is the crux of it. That was God's intention all along. That Job will know him. Not what his parents had taught him. Not what anybody had told him. All the other things that he lost. They were nothing. Job thought they were something. But God is sovereign. And so he told him that all the questions you are asking, all the way you have been looking, there is nothing I needed for you to do more than for you to know that your ears will hear my voice and your eyes will see me. This morning, may your ears hear the Lord and may your eyes see him. May you know him for who he is. May you know him for yourself. May you understand that when you go through things that you don't understand, he remains sovereign. Hallelujah. questions, he sought to understand what was going on. But because it was hidden from him, he could not understand. 
But then he understood what God was doing, that the only reason why he was going through what he was going through was for him to draw closer to God. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came. The Bible says that for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. He knew the pain and anguish he was going through. He knew the agony, the shame he was going to suffer. And though he had power to call legions of angels to come and free him, Jesus suffered even unto the cross. Because he knew what was at the end. He knew the goal. And the goal was you and I, that we may be reconciled back unto God. That is why Jesus, who was God and who was man, allowed himself to go through all that he went through. He could have called angels to come down, but he went through it. He persevered unto the end so that you and I may find our place in Christ. John 14, one said, Jesus said something very profound. He said, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. I've never seen mansions in houses. But Jesus said, in my Father's house are many mansions. If it, were not, if it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. So that was the goal that was set ahead of him. And no matter the obstacles that came on the way, the beating that he endured, the suffering that he went through, the Bible says that his body was tormented. He was so beaten that there was no comeliness about him. Man of sorrow, what a name. The Bible says he suffered unto the end. And when he hung on the cross and he said it was finished, it was his perseverance that led him there. Hallelujah. See now that I myself am he. There is no God beside me. I put to death and I bring to life. I have wounded and I will heal. And no one can deliver out of my hand. That is God. The secret things belong to him alone. We may never understand it, but the things that he has revealed to us, they are available for us. The word of God is true. The word of God is amen. Know the word of God for yourself, and when you are going through the darkness, let the word of God carry you through that darkness to that place that he has set before you. Forgetting about the things in the past, press on that you may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus lay hold of you. Beloved of God, in your darkest hour, remember the reveal that things of God belong to you and your household, belongs to you and your husband, your wife, belongs to you and your children. They can be applied in every aspect of your life. There is nothing in life that you cannot apply the word of God to. Everything can be applied to the word of God or the word of God can be applied to everything and it works in every situation. Don't get so hung up on the mysteries that belong to God. The things that you cannot understand, don't get so hung up on. Let your focus rather be on the things that God through his mercy has allowed us to grasp and that is his word. Hold on. Don't quit. Hope is on the way. Don't give up. Hold on. Fight on. Stand firm. Luke 12, 6 says, Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? Not Yet not one of them is forgotten by God. 7 says, Indeed, the very hairs on your head are numbered. He knows the hairs on your head. Don't be afraid. You are worth more than sparrows. Matthew 10, 32 added more. 30 added more, which is 29 and 30 added more. It says, are not two sparrows sold for a penny, yet not one of them will fall to the ground 
outside of your father's care. Even birds that die, they don't die without God's knowledge. How much more you, created in his image, the apple of God's eye, created you with passion and compassion, breathe the breath of God in you. Nothing happens to you that God does not know. One thing that is evident from our readings is that God is sovereign and he does what is in his divine plan and guidance. The Bible says that God is from everlasting to everlasting. He sees the things that are yet to happen today. He sees the things that are in the future and he takes care of them today. So you might be wondering, why am I going through this? Because he is sovereign. He is timeless. He created time. He exists outside of our time and he is able to see what is going to happen throughout your life and he knows what your end will be. He wants you so much to come into his kingdom and so he will do whatever it takes to make sure that you dwell under his feet. Have you noticed that we turn closer to God when we suffer? How many people have won the lottery and have gone to church and fell down on their knees and cried and wept and fasted and covered themselves in ash clothes? But how many people have gone to church and fell down prostrate before the altar when things have not gotten right for us? God wants us to draw closer to him. Hold on. Don't quit. Help is on the way. Hallelujah. Amen. Beloved of God, many things we cannot understand with our limited senses. But because God is sovereign, he understands. And even though he may not tell us what he's doing, we need to understand and trust that the end is always good. So as I said, remember, God is sovereign. He knows you. He allows things to happen for your good, your eternal soul. I also said that by the time I'm done, I want you to understand that it is he who knows what is going to happen in the future from today. He is working for your good. He is working for your good. God is working for your good. Though he may not answer all your questions, we need to persevere like Job did, like David did, like Sarah did. We will come into the knowledge of his divine plan and purpose for our lives. Hold on to his promises. He will never leave you nor forsake you. He does not promise and for, uh, 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 forsakes his promise. And finally, know that the things that God wants us to know, they are all in this word. Get familiar with the Bible. Today, the Bible reading is so easy. You can Google any scripture. You can Google comforting scriptures and just sit in your room and just read it to your soul because your soul has ears. It hears because David, when he was going through his difficulties, he spoke to his soul. Why are you downcast, oh my soul? Why are you so depressed in me? And he commanded his soul, put your hope in God. This morning you can tell your soul, put your hope in God and your soul will listen. Hallelujah. Amen. Hold on. Don't quit. Help us on the way. God is taking us to heaven. And he will do whatever it takes to bring you to heaven. Don't wriggle yourself out of God's hands. May the Lord bless you this morning as you hold on and persevere to the end that God will bring you. Hallelujah. I want us to sing this song. It's another hymn. If you know how to sing it again, I don't sing. <laughs> Hold my comrades, see the signal waving in the sky. Reinforcements now appearing, 
fault, for I am coming. Jesus said, Master, wave the answer back to heaven by the grace we the word says, hold my comrades, see the signal, waving in the sky, reinforcements now appearing, victory is mine, hold the fort for I am coming, Jesus signal still, wave the answer back to heaven, by thy grace we will, wave the answer back to heaven, by thy grace we will, by thy grace we will hold on, by thy grace we will not by thy grace we will persevere by thy grace we will persevere by thy grace we will not quit shall we please be on our feet hallelujah hold the fort for I am coming Jesus is master 